How's it going everybody? My name is Christopher, this is my dad Leighton, and this is the Ostezen Show, and today we are talking about lunging and pulling on the leash, otherwise known as leash reactivity, uh, today on the show, but first we have a few quick words from our sponsors. Well actually, I want to apologize first because we upset a lot of people last week because we were not able to do the show last week and we posted it in the beginning about 15-20 minutes or so before the show and man did my Facebook blow up. I had people messaging me and I, I apologize. Shows we are actually like, we do have at least two or three people that are watching the show. Yeah, right. Anyway, our, uh, uh, so I apologize again. Uh, it was my fault. I, uh, I had some things come up and I just couldn't get uh, set up in time and uh, we just had to pull the plug. But anyway, we're back. And as you guys know, our sponsor is Partners Dog Training School. Uh, we're an all-services school. We have all sorts of different things going on here. We focus mostly on behavioral training and on our daycare program, which is growing in leaps and bounds. Uh, this is our biggest month ever in daycare, I think you mm -hmm. said, right? Yep. And uh, we've got some exciting things on the go. Um, we, uh, we did mention our bus before. Christopher doesn't want to be talking too much about the bus, but yep. uh, we put in our order today for the bus finally. Uh, the order's in. They be having a custom bus uh, made for us, built on a school bus concept. Well, let me let me talk about that, and you can set up the watch yep. party on okay. your side. So, uh, so it's really cool. the The dog school bus has always been a famed icon uh, of the school. When you purchased that, what ten yeah. years ago? Oh, more than that. 12, 15? Like fifteen years ago. Yeah. So yeah, fifteen I years ago, I found the scrapyard, and I rolled in here with this bus, and everyone thought I'd lost my mind because yeah. I had the school bus. Yeah, and it's been uh, it's been a great marketing tool. It's been a great branding tool for us. We had it parked out on the road um, until until eventually they said that we couldn't have an advertisement quote-unquote with a billboard on the side of uh, on the side of a major uh, road and so we had to move it back which lost a little bit of the branding that we had set up so now we have decided to make the commitment it's a big financial as well as uh, time-consuming commitment of purchasing a brand new custom um, doggy school bus that will actually be able to go around to the different um, homes to different places in the valley in order to pick up dogs bring them back to the school save the pet parents some time uh, and also provide a pretty cool experience for the uh, pup so we just put the order in today hopefully we're able to have it up and running by January February of 2020 because uh, these things do take a little bit of time yeah and uh, yeah we're really excited about it and we'll have more information as we uh, get launched and so forth on that so Today we're talking about leash reactivity, which is a term that kind of describes uh, dogs that lunge on the leash, dogs that are pulling on the leash, um, any type of reactive behavior um, in response to being on the leash. Now, this could be a symptom of other types of behaviors like territorialness or possessiveness, um, but there are dogs that do specifically react a certain way to things when they're physically on the leash. And we'll talk a little bit about what that is in a little bit. Uh, and also, in, in some ways, uh, dogs that are leash reactive, they can feel that energy of the leash coming up from the parents, uh, which further increases that uh, state of arousal that we've talked about in the past, uh, which men just kind of cascades out of control. So we'll talk about what uh, leash reactivity is in terms of the symptoms and how to know if your dog uh, does have leash reactivity when they're pulling the leash or when they're lunging on the leash or maybe they're just a little bit excited to go see another dog or see another person um, so we'll talk about what are the different types of, of leash reactivity here in a second we'll talk about how to address each different type and then we'll talk about um, you know what you should do moving forward in order to not let that kind of escalate out of control so let's uh, let's key up that uh, piece of video that we've got so we're trying to uh, give you guys pieces of video that we shoot during the week 
um, and it's going to kind of show a couple of things and then we'll be able to talk about that and it'll give you guys a, a visual representation of, of exactly what we're talking about when we actually discuss that. Um, so in this particular, this is the one with Melissa. Yeah, so just kind of preemptive of this, we didn't actually get the dog. Uh, this is a dog that's uncomfortable around men. He's a dog that's in training with us here. Um, so has that type of, you know, I would say sep uh, or, uh, insecurity. Uh, around men, which also translates into some reactive behavior, and then being on the leash, um, that gives them kind of a quote-unquote tug of war between the pet parent on the other side and the dog, which as they keep tugging, they can't get to what they're wanting to get to, so that increases their drive, increases their behavior. It's kind of like, um, in a, you ever see the thing like where people want to get into a fight and then someone always steps in, tries to pull them away, that pulling of, of that person away actually increases their behavior and, and increases their yeah, reactivity in that yeah. case and so it's a really similar thing that happens in the leash um, so we'll talk some more about those details I just want to show you this video first and then we'll kind of go back to well so know, this video isn't is. going to show the actual leash reactivity it'll just show a little bit of what we were doing to work with that leash reactivity right. so we'll tune it up here so you can see Layton um, offering the dog some food to try and get the dog a little bit more comfortable and you can maybe talk right about so so when you see this you know when I offer the food you notice I'm not going all the way to the dog I'm kind of moving his head around I want him to come to me I want him to work for me the whole point of training is to teach the animal teach your pet that they are working for you you are in control of the game shall we say right so in this particular case I'm actually working with Melissa as you can see and we shot this video basically because we were treating some video and I thought after oh, this would be some great stuff to show you guys tonight we didn't actually stage anything for this this was a, a genuine training session with this dog now you can see he's worrying a little bit about the camera I think you were filming right uh, this particular one yep. um, and uh, you know that obviously is part of the training so again just to remind you guys when we're talking about a dog that is reactive to certain things this dog had some strong reactivity when he was on his leash and this is the kind of second phase of training him to work for us so so let's talk about the different types of of leash pulling the most commonly known one is of course the dog dragging somebody down the street dragging you down the pavement dragging you out the front door etc um, it, it actually is the same thing as when we have a dog that is also dragging the person in the opposite direction other than the fact that it's it's just the dog's different motivation that does that so let's talk about the one that's dragging you down the street right and we'll talk about like maybe out of excitement and right so first. so most dogs do that because they're excited they want to go for a walk they want to get to point b um and they have no response towards you now we've talked about this in the past if you've been watching the show you know the first thing we always talk about is foundation so if i see a dog that is dragging somebody down the street or dragging them across the road then i start looking at what that dog is doing in general is there any recognition any foundation any kind of manners towards the owner towards the handler right if there isn't then we're going to go back to teaching that manner so we're going to start developing like eye contact between the dog and the handler making sure the dog's paying attention to the handler and it's funny because as i say that i'm thinking about a trainer that wrote that i have great respect for his name is gary and if he's watching he sometimes watches our show he doesn't always agree with me on stuff which is not uncommon because you know how they say there's 10 trainers in the room at the same time you can get 10 different opinions but one of the things that gary says is that it's overrated with a dog watching you in the eyes and when he told me that one day we actually posted it online one day kind of made me think so after 30 something years of training i'm going back and reanalyzing what i'm talking about so when i say the dog looking into my eyes and working for me I'm really not necessarily mean the dog's watching every single thing that I do by watching into my eyes. I mean he's just paying attention to me. He's cognizant of me. So in that particular case, that video, just bring that video up back up again. You'll see that we were having difficulty with the dog paying attention to Melissa, the trainer. 
right? He's not even paying, he's not even there. So she's got to work a little more on foundation. So in this particular case, I'm not even giving him the treat. I'm just luring him. I'm trying to see whether he'll pay attention to the treat. And he didn't. I shook hands with Melissa a couple of times. I came up close. This, this is a couple of clips. This is actually after about 10 minutes of training. Then the initial parts, he was pulling away a lot harder. But it's the same thing. Foundation, getting that dog to pay attention. Now, let's go to the front door type thing where the dog drags you out the front door. There, that dog is almost territorial it's almost to the point where he's basically saying i don't really care about you this is my space my door my opening i'm going to blow on through the door yep. um you actually get all sorts of kinds of issues that happen at the front door but probably the best one i can remember is a dog that would guard the front door wouldn't let anybody out the front door because he had separation anxiety wouldn't allow people to leave in the other in the case like we're talking about now we're talking about a dog that the moment that dog door opens the dog just blasts out through the door now my dogs will do that at home as well if given that opportunity so a lot of times i'll open the door and then i'll make them hold in position and in a few minutes we'll show you crush we actually did some work with him on the field today so i could show you a couple of things of how to control this drive um but i would work on that drive type thing to control the door it's not the door that's the issue it's the fact that the dog has no response or no recognition of what we're trying to do um, yeah, I, so it really just goes me. down to obedience and, and training at the end of the day. If you have a good foundation, like you said, everything comes back down to foundation. So if your foundation is solid, then all the other training that you have will be solid. And funny enough, it's the same thing if you do have a dog that's showing reactive type behaviors that are stemming into lunging, into barking, into... Um, right so if a dog is lunging at another dog or reactive to another dog that's the same thing they're pulling on the leash they have no respect towards you but basically their goal at that stage is to get to the other dog yeah. you know we monitor that type of thing in fact uh, maybe next week I, I just didn't get enough time today i was going to get you to film some of the stuff during our daycare because we we're working with the trainers in daycare today and, and working with i mean in this particular case how many dogs were we running around probably 20. 17 20 dogs 20 dogs running around we're we teaching them how to interact with one another because that's what that's what daycare should be, is teaching dogs how to behave. So, yes, we're talking about leash pulling tonight in this program, but it's the same thing. I want that dog to listen to me based on his respect for us. And so when he's paying attention and listening, then I know that even if I put a leash on him, he's still going to pay attention. A leash is just a tool. If your dog's dragging you, then chances are they're not paying attention to you anyway. Yeah, and a big thing that you have to be conscious of with the leash is that you're not loading the leash the whole time. So loading the leash is where if the, if the dog's collar is around their neck, and there's a maybe a strand that goes out that's still the metal and then it connects to the leash. Loading the leash involves actually having the leash pulled up so that the collar around the dog's neck is constantly taut. Um, and that what happens is A, you don't have a good correction ability. So if you do have to correct your dog for something, the leash is already taut and so there's no room for it to actually get that little bit of a snap. Um, the second thing that it does is it starts to constantly um, pull that energy down from you into the dog and into the leash. So as you start loading the leash, getting worried about, oh my gosh, there's someone down, coming down the road, my dog doesn't like other dogs, or my dog doesn't like other people, or maybe they're gonna run over to them and it's this big, you know, Great Dane and they're gonna scare the other dog. Um, the minute that you start worrying about all those things inside of you, that starts getting tensed down to the leash and then your dog says, oh, what's happening that I'm supposed to be alert of? And then they start tensing up and that energy just feeds back and forth um, kind of like a, uh, what's those, those tools that they use in, um, singing, uh, you know, they bang it and then it makes it a sound. You know what I'm oh, talking about? Yeah. Um, uh, what's that thing called? Um, yeah. Well, somebody can tell us. Yeah. Someone you guys need to interact more with us. I'm seeing we've got a couple of dozen people on with us already. 
Um, and of course these numbers that show up on the screen are not correct because we're looking at another thing that tracks it and there's at least two dozen names here but um, I'd love to read them all off and make sure you guys are listening but anyways I'm sure somebody's going to come back to us and tell us yeah um, I also got an email from tuning somebody fork. tuning, tuning fork. fork so yeah so that 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 tuning fork just goes back and what forth do you know about music I've never seen you. oh you're into choir you're in choir like and, and the other years. day what did you get a violin the other day yeah yeah, yeah oh it's my like, god I nearly died that's fortunately my house is soundproof so I can't hear his side of the house <laughs> which has its benefits as well um anyways so by the so way you must tell your girlfriend really not to thing. text you when we're on our show because it's very distracting seeing a text show up so yeah. taylor stop texting christopher during the show we'll try to focus <laughs> um all right so uncontrolled enthusiasm so uh, another great way to kind of combat leisure activity whether it's lunging whether it's pulling whatever it really is um is to channel that energy into something different now usually we recommend obedience but using some type of positive reinforcer in order to take that energy that right now is being uh, being targeted at another object or another person, another dog, and bring it back into something that is positive and something that allows you to kind of regain control of the situation. That's why we usually talk about default behaviors. So having a default routine, such as a, you know, heels, sit down, stay, uh, right about turn, left about turn, right about circle, then sit again. If you use that as your routine every single time and pattern that both into yourself and to your dog very well, that will allows you to use those in situations mm -hmm. where the dog's state of arousal start to increase it start going up from the one two three four five six seven eight and then the second that you start to see it increasing you can engage that type of um, routine explain into, state of arousal what we mean by that yeah so so we've talked about this a lot on the show if you've watched it uh you know if you're if you're a constant watcher but state of arousal is the dog's kind of energy level inside of them it's not a necessarily sexual thing but it's something that comes down to how they're feeling in that moment yep. um so if you look at it uh what's like a, a good analogy like an emotional it? thing so somebody who so if you have an argument with somebody your emotional state becomes very uh anxious you kind of like light up we call that state of arousal right and it's actually really good if you really learn if you want to study behavioral psychology to learn what the keys are what the what the little triggers are that push the state of arousal so for example if i'm in a discussion with somebody and they start kind of getting under my skin and i start feeling my my blood pressure rise but actually my blood pressure doesn't rise but just, but that kind of feeling then you that's what we refer to as a state of arousal starting to climb and generally when we're training i use state of arousal i use the numbers one to ten so if your dog is at a state of arousal of a, of a nine or a ten you're almost not going to get anything actually you're not going to get anything done with that dog you want to bring that all the way down so remember we've talked about these steps before right so it's the same type of thing the dog's arousal is at like a one or a two you can interact you can communicate with them you can get them to to pay attention to what you say you can get that connection whatever you want to use whatever word you want to put in there everybody has these fancy words but basically you want to train when the dog's arousal state is, a, is kind of between a one and a three maybe a four right now you have to take into account a couple of things when we talk about this kind of drive right this kind of excitement is that a dog pulling on the leash is often a symptom of a far more critical or serious problem right that's where the state of arousal comes in that's where drive comes in that where reactivity if you have a dog that is reactive towards other things i want to talk about little dogs for a minute so we often skip over the little guys right little dogs are are generally fairly easy to train i say that and of course then i start questioning myself um but they are they respond a little easy and because they're small it's not really that significant especially if they're aggressive or if they have reactivity issues biting issues that kind of thing if they jump up bite you yeah it's not a big deal uh, so we had a situation happen to us uh, this last weekend and uh, the people were really cool about it but we were training the dog and when we were doing snake proofing with the dog and the instructor in this case monica gave the dog a nick the dog turned around and tried to bite the the trainer 
So what that dog in effect was doing was transferring the energy, the pressure from that from that e-collar that had got nicked at, instead of placing a, the association on the snake or the sound of the snake, in other words, the, the odor or the sound, that dog turned around and associated or attached to the trainer. Well, that type of arousal, that type of reaction is not what we want to see. Mm -hmm. And so in a case like that, what we did is we actually went and started training the dog to work on a leash where we used two different leashes. So we put two long leashes on the dog, one, you know, both attached to the dog, one went to one trainer and I was the other trainer and we trained the dog that way and that way the dog could not actually come back. So we can use that pulling on the leash thing as a, as a guide. We have another dog that's really cool and I've just got to get permission from the owner to, to show video of this dog. Uh, we had a dog come in yesterday that's got some serious, uh, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag just yet, but some serious reactivity kind of issues, Anxiety. but towards itself. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. He does some Absolutely. cool stuff. Yeah, I don't want to say that because uh, you'll have to come. You'll have to watch uh, next week. Maybe we'll do that dog next week. I'm fairly sure the owner will give me permission. We've been working with this owner uh, for gosh, uh, 20 years, I think, by now, uh, with multiple dogs. She runs a big operation, big rescue. But anyways, um, this dog is super cool because most of what he was doing, his first reaction was, and even the reaction of the people that analyzed him before, evaluated him before, he'd been to a, to a vet and they'd done neurological examination on him, and it came back negative, and we had this dog come in here, and the trainer called me and said, can you come down and look at this dog? We've got a really cool video system that Christopher's been putting in, so I can actually watch training and listen to the training while they're actually working right now. So I watched the dog, and I'm like, huh, I don't think that dog's doing this. Anyway, I'm not going to tell you more about it right now, um, we spent about another 10 minutes with the dog and today, one day later, we're getting great results with this dog and this dog has been through dozens of sessions already and, and without results and, and one day we're on to him. And it's exactly the same concept as what we're talking about. We just figured out, oh wait a bit, you're really not doing this, you're doing that. And then once we figured that out, then Kelly was able to get some great results. And she shot some video of him today, and I was super happy with how that turned out. So, yeah. uh, again, you know, we're still talking about leash work here. We're talking about controlling your dog that he's trying to drive with a leash. But I want to always remind you that the leash is a, is a symptom. It's just a tool. I could care less. You can train the dog with a piece of string for all I care. In fact, there are dogs in Africa that are trained. I'm sorry, not dogs. There are rats in Africa that are trained to find landmines. And uh, I met the guy, um, Dr. Oh, what's his name? I'll think of it here in a second. He's a world famous behavioral psychologist. Uh, he's from Belgium. Anyway, I can't think right now his name is, but, but uh, super cool dude. And he, had, he showed me how they did this. And then he showed me some video of these, of these rats. These rats are about this size, right? Working over in Africa, finding landmines. And these guys are working them with a little string tied around the rat. So every time I think of leash work and how fancy we always want these leashes to be, I think of the rat with his little string. And these rats were freaking awesome. They never, ever made a mistake. They were, they were unbelievably, normally with a, with, a, with a detection dog, we're happy if we get like a 9 out of 10 alert rate. And these dogs were hitting like, sorry, these rats were hitting like 95, 98%. They just weren't making mistakes. Anyway, that's a cool story we have to talk about another time. So let, let's, while we're on the subject of, of equipment, let's talk about what equipment sure. um, should we be using, what should we not be using? Because I would say nine out of 10 times that a person is having problem with lunging or leash reactivity of some sort, they're almost always using the wrong equipment. They almost always have a harness on the dog. They almost always are using um, so, uh, flexi leashes. Right, so boy, you want to get me worked up real fast. You want to talk about uh, getting my uh, blood pressure up. So. Flexies have a specific purpose, and the purpose for them is not training obedience. They are great if you walk in a dog, if you're out, you don't want to contain the dog, but they do a couple of things that we don't like. First of all, it encourages your dog to put pressure on the leash. It teaches them to drive, to pull, to, 
to to tighten up on the leash. The because second by thing them, is by them pulling harder, the leash then extends out further, and so that's right. That's how the dog gets further out. The problem is that by pulling harder than, and successfully being able to extend that distance, the dog is rewarded by that, and so therefore they learn to pull harder on the leash. Then you put that dog on a conventional leash, and the dog thinks he's got to pull all the time. The second thing is, depending on which flex you're using, some of them are incredibly dangerous. They are, you know, they're they're relatively thin nylon cords, and if you get that thing wrapped around your finger, around your hand, I know people that have uh, got some serious injuries from that. So I apologize, flex. I'm not trying to of, um, hurt their business, the but actual like objects of them breaking and then right. flying back and, and hitting people sure. like at the very end maybe the the collar or whatever breaks yeah. off and then it comes back and hits the uh, person and and wrapping around they drop the handle it runs the dog yeah. takes off across the field that thing's whipping around that thing wraps around somebody and and cuts into them so so i'm not a big fan now i actually you do use flexies because i use them in a different application but this is not the time to talk about that so so that's the first thing the second thing i'm not a big fan of are harnesses and and i must also emphasize here that i'm not a big equipment person we don't really mind what equipment you use as long as, as long as one you use it correctly and two you realize that everything has its time has its goal has its place right so a harness would be great for training a dog to do tracking where i want that dog driving i want his nose down i want his body down when doing shits on style tracking or air scenting or something like that well, that's, that's why they were i mean essentially they were made originally for horses pulling a carriage and right so, so they put so the you center train of gravity them. around the dog's um you know strongest point around their chest and it's meant for dogs to be able to talk to pull and be able to have that in a, in a comfortable and, and structured way so harnesses are not initially the right thing for this and then of course you go to all sorts of other things you can use a prong collar uh, prong collars have their purpose as well some people don't like them because it hurts the dog and they don't like that you know, the way to look at that is if you have a serious situation where the dog is pulling hard and you have a person that is not as strong, maybe it's a, it's a female or is an elderly person or a child or something like that, they just don't have the physical ability to withhold, to withstand or to, to hold that dog back, then sometimes a prong collar will, will help that. Um, I like using e-collars, electronic collars, where the dog learns that he's got to walk at heel or he's going to get a nick from an e-collar. That also works well, but again, you have to learn how to use it. You can't just put on the dog and nick the dog because he has no idea what you're talking about. All of these techniques require a foundation, and you have yeah. to put that foundation into the dog. Um, let's pull up that that uh, that video of Crush. Uh, well, so here's a here's a quick video here. Let's see if I can bring it up uh, to make it e easily seen. Oh, so this is where we were doing the turns, right? So one of the ways you can stop a dog from getting ahead of you is to do an about turn. So you'll find a lot of times we'll walk. And you can see that Melissa is actually using a prong collar and a training collar at the same time. We often will do that because it kind of takes away some of the prong collar, but it also allows us, because prong collars have a nasty habit of releasing sometimes, they unclip themselves. And obviously, even though here we're in a gated area, as you can see, this training area is a gate, it's got a seven and a half foot gate around it, sorry, fence around it. Um, but we gain, we want to use a little bit of pressure on the dog. Now, here's the tricky part. There is no one way to train a dog. It drives me crazy when people say, oh, you got to use this, or you got to use that. There's all sorts of different techniques, all right? Sometimes you want to be positive and purely motivational, and other times you want to use a little bit of compulsion. A lot of times compulsion will get a much faster result, but it doesn't always work. In this particular case, we're kind of balancing that approach. doesn't mean to say that we're not going to use a correction, but we're kind of like pushing the dog, come on, come on, come on, work, 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 and then eventually they settle down and they do fine. 
you can own you can go to the system where you use only positive the problem with doing that it takes much much longer and then the dog realizes you don't really believe in your own thing because well, they see it that it's been sucked even at the end here you'll see a, uh, melissa offering the treat and the dog doesn't really care right. about it it's more focused on me filming on the camera or, and so forth or, yeah exactly. and if it wasn't you it would be something else so remember this dog happens to be looking at christopher but there's all sorts of different things just go back to the video and drop it back about 30 seconds for me right. so one of the things that we do all the time in training is we try and keep the dog moving. And you can see Melissa's doing that right now. She's basically walking back and forth. We, she's walking on the edge of the pavement because that te it kind of distracts him from the, from the thing that he's nervous of. Right now, he thinks the world's going to end because there's a male figure that would be me in front of him. Dogs are often worried about male figures because they see it as kind of like a, a threat to them and so forth. That's why people with hats, people with uh, beards, people with big overcoats, etc. Um, and you'll see eventually, I don't know if we have video, but eventually he did take a treat from me and I was able to actually walk him a little bit back and forth. But we don't push the dog to the point of falling down. I don't want you to fall off the cliff, right? I want you to walk up to the edge, push, 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 nudge, nudge, encourage, encourage, motivate, motivate. And then sometimes you've got to back off a little bit. Um, this is very similar to what I would do if I was trying to expose a dog to something where the dog is uh, showing strong avoidance to something, right? He's, uh, he's maybe apprehensive of a new smell or a new location training dogs to become acclimated to different surface conditions so in this case we use paving we use stone and we don't see it in this shot but we also have grass areas and dirt uh, areas um, we also have a smooth floor so we have five or six different surfaces we can put that dog on to get the different training yeah and there's a couple things also in that video you saw you saw melissa using body pressure from from her torso as well as from her knee um, a lot of times when we're putting up a knee um, to put pressure on the dog we're not even making impacts or, or we're not ever actually contact. yeah contact um, but it's mainly there to exactly like i said put pressure on the dog in order to get them maybe to focus back on you to break that line of um, intensity and, and channeling between the dog and whoever they're um, targeting in that moment. So there's right. a couple things that we were seeing there. Um, now let's take a look at, um, this was some training that you were doing today with Crush. And in this video, you'll see both you working on the leash with Crush, um, but really not using the equipment much at right. all. Right, so, so you'll see that I actually wasn't using a leash at all. I didn't even have a leash with me. And I, and I quickly shot this video this afternoon because I wanted to show you guys where you kind of looking at being don't get hung up on this leash thing you know we're talking about the types of leashes and most of the time i use a leather leash sometimes a nylon leash sometimes i use a long leash which is, which is about 25 30 feet long just get a, a lunge line from a horse place or a tech store or something like that make great training leashes i often train with that uh, but in this particular case you guys watch and you try and tell me what you think was the reason why Chris was paying attention to me let's watch this video for a little bit this is crush this is my dutch shepherd very very high power dog wants to work and look how look how Leighton uses his body here um, uh, kind of adjusting so that crush knows uh, right back in the very beginning here you will we'll rewind it back in a moment um, but always with the with the torso not bending down as much because that lowers the elevation and gives up and uh, uh, gives up some control there so there I left him in a stay position I walked forward walked around I want to keep my contact. There's the eye contact I was talking about. So now watch, watch the torso here. Yep, there. That's see, the that's pressure. called a flip around. It wasn't a very good one. I probably should have uh, warmed him up a little more to make him more impressive on camera. But, you know, this is also one of those things. A lot of times when we film our shooting videos, you know, and we put them on, they're also, there's awesome. You know, we edit them so they look really cool. But the truth is that that's not reality. It's, it's kind of like looking at a picture on Instagram of this, of this hot looking female. It's not reality. She's done up. She's put two hours of makeup into that. And that's not the real world out there. So the same thing with dogs. 
If you look at this, you'll see this is basically me with no practice, no warming up, no getting him ready, etc. I basically said to him, heal. I was talking French to me, can't hear because we're not running sound, are we? No, um, I, he's barking so too loud. It wouldn't. I was training him in French at the time, and uh, and you can see that that uh, I said earlier on. Can you see what I used to motivate him? So you notice the cup lying on the ground. That's his motivator. That's the reason why he's working. And so what I had earlier on is I had the cup in my hand, and he was watching the cup while he was learning to heal. But I can leave that cup on the ground. In fact, I think we saw that in the shot. I did leave the cup on the ground. Yeah. I do one heel pattern with it because I wanted you to see that even without the cup, I will, can still get him to listen to me. This is the contact that we talk about. This is him paying attention, and I don't even need a leash. Yeah. So when we have dogs that pull on leashes, our goal is to get the dog to pay attention and to get him to work with us. But eventually, we want to give up on that leash. We want to focus. And in this particular shot, you can't see it, but the person running the camera was Kelly, and she actually had a dog with her just behind her. And he's completely unfazed by that dog. There's no attention. His, his concentration level is good. That was a little sloppy. He's supposed to stop. So if you guys are one of the, the pro handlers and you're watching this, I'm sorry my dog sucked at that stage. Um, and this was just a stupid plastic cup that I picked up. I had some, drunk some water out of it. I could pick up virtually anything. I can pick up plastic bottles. In fact, that in the morning, when I wake up in the morning, I've always got my bottle of water next to bed, next to my bed, and it's normally three quarters drunk uh, at that point. And Crush will sit up next to me and watch me because he knows I'm going to finish the rest of that water, and then he gets the he gets the the the, the, the bottle, the empty water bottle. Okay. So it's not what you use; it's how you use it. It's how you build that focus on the dog and how you get that enthusiasm enthusiasm working for you and obviously crush has a enormous uh, level of energy and drive so it doesn't matter if your dog is a border collie if your dog is a lab and if it has if it has a ton of energy you can channel that energy into just as good of obedience and probably even better obedience because they do want to work for you at the end of the day so as long as you're channeling that and using your foundation your obedience in bright ways um, then you can achieve really really great results uh, along those lines and you know um, earlier I, just, I just want to finish up something mm -hmm. I started talking about small dogs earlier on and then mm -hmm. I think I got sidetracked which is my standard thing in life um, so when you're training a small dog and the small dog is not walking nicely here they're pulling on you dragging forward or whatever then go back to using their food remember we've talked about this in the past but just a quick summary so the food that you normally would feed your dog instead of it just putting down in front of them in the morning or in the evening or both uh, basically pick that bottle that, that bowl of food up and get your dog to follow with you uh, many years ago, there was a guy called David Dykeman. He was one of the first ones that kind of started this system out where he put a long line on the dog and all he would do is just walk away from his dog. When the dog ran towards him, he would turn and walk the other way. The dog ran towards him, turn and walk the other way. I wish we could find a piece of that video because it was really, he was really, I mean, it's such an obvious system now, but I use it all the time. And with little dogs, it's really a, an effective way of, of training. Um, so we don't actually put pressure on the little dog to train with us. Now we will do that because with little dogs, you need a little more skill. They're very, very soft. They're very sensitive. If you put too much pressure on them, so remember we talked about balancing, you know, compulsion training or pressure or, or you know, forced training if you want to use that term. Making your dog sit is a temp technique. So you know, basically it's a technique that is in effect compulsion training versus teaching a dog to walk for a treat. Now. Whenever I bring up treats, I have to always say, remember that the treat thing is just a tool, right? The food is just a tool. We're going to pull that food out eventually. Um, you notice the way Crush works. Crush was trained using food as his reward in the beginning. Now he works with his food there, where there's a toy there, where there's just straight reward. That's so it's not bridge. that. That's just a bridge. That's correct. That's just a, tech, a, a temporary a re reward system to get your dog to work for you. Don't underestimate that. 
Yeah, one thing I do want to mention is um, the idea of taking and making sure you're putting your dog in the ideal situations while Very you're still point. working on yeah. training these types of behaviors. So um, when you're still on your, you know, getting started, don't put your dog into very, very situ or to very potential situations that can increase their state of arousal, such as going to a dog park, such as taking your dog even out on a walk while you're still kind of working on these behaviors, um, because you need to establish the obedience and control and foundation when there's no distractions around. So that way you can have the best chance of success when there are distractions around and when there is things that might potentially trigger them. So uh, making sure that you're avoiding those types of situations as best as you can while you're still working on it, and then gradually adding them in as your amount of control increases. So that way you can work through those types of situations. Um, so again, like I said, avoiding the dog parks, um, avoiding objects or, or potential triggers that you know, um, like if you're walking down the street and you see another person walking down the street, cross the street, go to um, the other side potentially, maybe go down a, a different path um, as best as you can, so that way you don't set your dog up for six, or so you don't set your dog up for failure. Um, because every time that they reinforce the idea of not listening to you and they reinforce the idea of increasing their state of arousal to go up to that trigger, uh, that's just a little bit more of a setback that you have to continue to kind of battle against. So. Um, um, establishing those that control centers and those default behaviors in a quiet setting so that way you can gradually increase introduce those triggers um, into your training so Sarah made a really good point here and I, I missed it because I'm monitoring other stuff and Christopher's on this side um, but she said she brought up using a slip leash so a slip leash is just a simple tiny little nylon leash it's got a little ring at the end you basically feed the leash through itself through the ring and it makes a little slip leash we train probably 50 60 percent of the dogs we train here at the school using a slip leash just simply because it's such a simple thing to use and because we're training the dog on technique not on you know what specific collar or what specific leash to use now if you come to class we don't want you using a slip leash we prefer to use a proper training collar and a proper uh, either a, a training collar i'm sorry i said a training collar a proper leash or a training collar with a uh, martingale it would also work well um, whatever you're and, training you know whatever you your, what you prefer and what the trainers have told you to use at that time we will often go back and forth and this is something for you guys that are not training with us or whatever you know keep in mind there's no one way to to can i say skin a cat there's no one way to get something done you've got to you at different things and and be prepared to to try different stuff you know the fact is that when I mean, you take the school bus we we're talking about earlier on we've been working on the school bus thing for well over a year and and i finally i saw a bus the other day and i just instantly fell in love with this bus and uh it, it was exactly what i wanted and then when i called them up they brought me a demo version of it out and we liked it we liked everything in it we found a way that we could convert it and today they sent us the new designs of what i wanted done and i mean it took us it took us a long time and we went through four or five different variations of this before we finally settled so don't ever settle work on you know work on it over and over and over don't give up a lot of times people I mean, when I'm traveling around, which I do all the time, people often come up and say, my dog does this, dog does I'm like, it's the same thing, guys. It's, it's exactly the same approach. Build your foundation, get your dog to pay attention to you, get your dog to focus, use food as a reward. Even if your dog doesn't like his food as a highly motivated reward, you can use a high value food if you want, high value reward, we call those. what motivates them. Maybe um, it's your verbal, maybe it's right, a toy. Toy, something like that, you know? Or maybe it's as simple as like the back door. And, and I remember with one of my dogs, I was training him in French ring. I could not get this dog to do a stand exercise. We had to stand up. Um, he had, he'd been through a bunch of different trainers and they struggled to get that done. And I literally spent, oh, probably two months trying to teach this dog to stand using every technique I knew. And then one day as I was letting him out the house, 
he ran up to the sliding door, the glass door, and I was going to open the door and he was going to sit and he popped up into the stand position. I'm like, oh, good boy, stand. And then I told him, sit. And I told him, stand. And he stood up again and I opened the door. And from that way, day on, that was the way I trained that dog to do a stand. Mm -hmm. I would never have thought about that had it not just kind of fallen into place. But you got to stay alert. You've got to yeah. be aware. And the one thing I want to also add to that is making sure that you do have realistic uh, and reasonable expectations. expectations. Um, because again, these are dogs, these are animals. Animal behavior is always changing, even from the day to day with your same dog. Um, and so making sure that you remember Rome wasn't built in a day, um, having reasonable expectations of your dog, and then obviously putting the work in is a, is a really great uh, formula for success. Have you been to Rome? I have been to Rome a couple times. Yeah. I haven't been. I can't afford to go. Yeah, well, no one. <laughs> well, you got to speak to your boss so that way you get some time off to go. That's true. There you go. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much for watching today. Uh, we'll be Great here show. next Wednesday at 6 p.m. We talk about uh, socializing dogs. And we'll yeah. show you some footage of daycare because we. We're training a lot of our new people in the daycares right now, and so it's a great opportunity. We'll shoot some video of that. We'll probably have a good 10, 15 minutes of video next week. I really like the video. I think it gives you guys a, a direct connection and a graphic of what we're doing. And, and uh, let, me, let us know how you feel about that. You know, Do you like the videos and you want us to use more? Yep, definitely. All right, guys. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next week.